Well, the good news is I can use the same notes that I used last week. Unfortunately, because I stumbled a few times in Darren's absence, but I can confidently say now, welcome to the InGoal Radio Podcast, episode 204, presented by the Hockey Shop, source for sports, Langley, and thehockeyshop.com. I'm David Hutchison here once again, keeping Darren Millard's seat warm, and beside me sits one Kevin Woodley. Woody, did I get it right that time? I see the little claps. That was that was the golf clap. That was you, that was you the got golf the golf clap. clap. Yep. I can count. Yeah, boy. At least I can follow your instructions. Yes. Kevin, what do we got in 204? I don't want to screw this one up. Oscar Dansk. Dansk Dansk baby. Um Calgary Flames <laughs> goaltender right now uh playing with the Calgary Wranglers alongside Dustin Wolf and just a fascinating background. A uh, guy that uh, I haven't really hadn't really met up until about a month ago when the Wranglers were through town and uh, talked to him uh, as well as the goalie coach there, the new goalie coach with their American League team, Mackenzie Skapsky, who I know really well, and Dustin Wolf, and the three of us sat around and talked and quickly discovered that Dansk really does have a fascinating, like he's a Swedish goaltender, but he spent time on Vancouver Island just down the road from you, going to a goalie school that I remember you taking young Maddie to way back when, gold in the net. And like, there's just, there's a ton of unique backstory with Oscar. And he also happens to be a hell of a nice guy. And so we spent a good 45 minutes just going over his path and a unique path at that um, to the National Hockey League. Like Sweden, Nanaimo, <laughs> High school hockey in Minnesota, junior back in Sweden, and then junior in the OHL, and then pro. He's been back and forth since he turned pro five more times. So a, a lot of great insights into the different teachings in Sweden compared to North America. We get into the story. Uh, if you're a goalie or a goalie coach, you've heard the story. Oscar Dance taught Sergei Bobrovsky how to do the reverse or at the very least, was used by Ian Clark to help Sergei Bobrovsky learn the reverse when he first came to Columbus. Uh, we get into that with Oscar. Just There's a whole bunch of different things that we talk about, and yeah, it's a, it's a fun conversation, one I'm sure um, goalies on both sides of the pond, goalie coaches, will enjoy listening to. That was really impressive, Woody. I know what it's like when you're on the radio now. I was just looking for Oscar Dansk and Bauer Pro Return gear. This that is was good. This- this is, the beauty. Beauty. this is the beauty of me. You could have gone and got a cup of coffee. Ask me a question. Take a break. I don't, I don't know what we're going to get before we actually toss it to the, uh, toss it to the interview. But uh, we don't have skate profiling again this week. I screwed that one up last week. I'm not screwing it up this week. It's the Bauer Pro Return Gear. Skate profiling is coming, as is the Warrior G6, which is now in stock at the hockey shop. But something else is in stock. So we had to preempt both of those to tell you about this week's gear segment. It's not so much a breakdown as it is letting everyone know that they just got a huge batch of Bauer Pro returns. Uh, A lot of custom graphics on here from the CHL, from the NCAA, uh, but also some unique retro graphics. There's a reactor throwback set. Um, No gloves, just pads. And unlike some of their past pro returns from the NHL level, the Devin Dubnik set, which they still have, the Linus Allmark set from Buffalo, which they still have, um, significant reductions in price. So there are some serious cost savings here, depending on the model. So uh, yes, some of it is very unique. 
I don't know how many people outside of maybe playing for the Brampton Battalion are going to want the Brampton Battalion styled pads. Uh, but- uh, <coughs> North Bay. See, I don't even know these things. That's the Ontario Hockey League. I can barely keep up with the NHL, the AHL. Even the dub is beyond me. So All our listeners in Brampton are feeling pain right now. What's Brampton called? They don't have a team. What the hell? Why would you call them the North Bay Battalion? They moved. See, I don't keep up with these things. Now you get to correct me. Bottom line is, whether you're in North Bay, Brampton, I don't really care. It's a unique looking set Sweet of pads. Sweet set of gear. It is. I mean, and actually, it's so funny because I saw the pictures and shout out to the job the hockey shop did with the photography on this. Yeah. This is where the digital printing has gotten to. I swear to God, when you look at those pads, it 3D. looks like there is texture like there is a knit texture on the face of the pad, and it's not until you get up real close that you can 100% tell it's digital printing. Like they've just nailed these things. You know, I'll say this. Yes, there are some logos on there that may not match your team, but there's a lot of cool colors, and it's really easy to get vinyl graphics that you can put over top of the logos themselves if you want to change that up. So let's go to Cam. Let's talk about the different price savings and the different options. There's some unique setups here. There's some with Stabilis slide, even though it's a 2X Pro pad, everything, all kinds of different models. Let's go talk to Cam and he can explain it to us. Welcome back to the Hockey Shop, source for sports out here in Langley now. We're not, as you noticed, in Goalie Corner. We're back in the photo room where the social media crew makes all the fantastic images that you see across their social media platforms happen. Uh, and, and if you've been paying attention, and you should be following them at THS Goal on Instagram and Twitter and wherever the hell else social media exists these days, you, heard it you would have already seen these and beautiful images of these Bauer Custom, what do we call them? Cam, Bauer Custom Pro, their college returns, their CHL returns. What are we calling it? Well, we get an umbrella and just call it a pro return. There we go. It's wow. easy. College isn't pro. I'm going to get into semantics here. This is pro <laughs> level gear that has been returned and is on sale as low as $1,200 for Bauer Pro Return Pro Level Gear. We've got 2X Pro. We've got some Ultrasonic. We've got some with Stabila Slide. We've got some with Stabila Flex. We've got some with the old school knee stack. We got a whole lot of different and unique features. I saw some leather straps on this, as well as some crazy graphics. I don't know that you're ordering the Brampton Battalion logo pads unless you're playing somewhere around there. But, dude, like, seriously, the graphics here, I thought those were knit. So lots of crazy looks, all on sale. Cam, tell me how you came about this, and tell me about some of the deals that can be had. Uh, I mean, how I came about it, just, I mean, us being being eagle-eyed in terms of our buying. But that said, in terms of for, you know, some of the specs and stuff like that, you and Kevin touched on it. Like, there's a wide array of options. Um, Amazingly, a lot of the pads you find here are on the stiffer side of things. So definitely pay attention to some of our spec call-outs on each part description. Um, Custom graphics, yes, as we've seen, some really fantastic looks. Kevin's wandering over, he's got one there. these guys, especially uh, 2X Pro build, but still a 2X. ultrasonic construction. Um, it's you're going to see a lot of these custom like specs, a lot of these custom feels. Um, 
definitely reach out if you do have any questions on them. Um, even for example, uh, the one behind you, as you alluded to, to leather straps as well. Um, leather knee strap included with these guys. That's everyone a has a its own Boston College special. Yes, everyone has its own little bit of a, a nuance to it as well. So there's um, some with leather straps down the leg. Yes. Something we've seen, I think, Linus Almark have. Correct. This one's got this. Like, there's just all. Like, honestly, folks, as you can see from the selection here, and they've got more different options, all on sale. You're basically have the option to get custom level pads. Check with Cam to see if they suit your style, suit your game, um, with custom graphics. Some of them. Quite specific, the Brampton Battalion ones. Some of them a little more generic, could go with anything. Others, you know, they do have unique logos on them, but you could cover that up, have your own logo design with a company called Pat, you know, something like Padskins does logos. There's lots of different ways to basically get pro level Bauer gear at a significant discount. Like we said, prices on these start at around $1,200. Make sure you check them out at thehockeyshop.com. If you have any questions, Cam, where do they get you to get in some of those specifics and see what you have in stock? 604-589-8299 or 1-800-567-7790. Any of the guys in the goalie department, including myself, will be able to take a look and hopefully match some uh, specs up with uh, your specific preferences. Quick question. Quick answer. Do you have gloves and blockers or is just pads? Just pads. However, say you found a set and you want it to match it up, we could always look into custom ordering your own set in a current mock and or um, Hyperlite um, style. That's not a bad idea. Other question, pro returns, if I buy pro return sticks, there's no warranty on them. What about these bad boys? No, sir. They are as marked, as sold. Um, unfortunately, again, given the nature of these guys' things, once they leave out the door, there isn't a warranty on them. Okay, up front, honesty, that's the best policy. Um, but if they are something you're interested in, in terms of the style, the fit, the chance to get some pro features on it, significant discounts on now, hockeyshop.com, or like I said, check them out on their social at THS Goal on Twitter and Instagram for some really awesome footage that they've shot in this magic little room. Thanks, Cam. Thanks, Kevin. Okay, thanks, Woody and Cam over at the Hockey Shop. Just a reminder to everybody that especially this week. I know we say that almost every week, but you really need to head over to YouTube. Check out the gear segment on YouTube so you can see all those incredible designs. While you're over there, if you give it a thumbs up and subscribe, maybe leave a comment, that would be awesome. I love those designs. I love those prices. Somebody's going to be showing up looking like the best dress goalie in the league. Do you have a favorite there, Woody? It's probably the North Bay battalion set uh, again unique colors unique graphics but those things absolutely pop the reactor set's pretty cool too like the the old school sort of yep. throwback and that's a little more of a generic set it's a 2x pro with a stabila slide knee um so you get sort of some best of both worlds there uh, as we mentioned in the segment these don't come with gloves these are pads only so there's a chance to sort of dress things up and custom order gloves as well uh, i should remind everyone too that in addition to these sort of exciting pro returns and the sales that are on them, um, we talked about it recently. PX3 is in stock, a whole bunch of true PX3 in stock at the hockey shop. Uh, Warrior G6, which we reviewed eons ago, but nobody could get. They've got that in stock right down to the junior sizes. Uh, intermediate, all with Warrior's new slide plate to help you slide better. Um, there is a whole bunch of new inventory. We're in that time of year where normally we're looking for the new stuff like the PX3. But there's also stuff that 
As the shipping gets caught up around the world, there's inventory coming in that we might not necessarily think of as new, uh, but it's new in terms of being able to get it, and they've got it stacked up. As we saw, if you've seen the video, boxes on boxes on boxes of goalie gear at thehockeyshop.com, a lot of it new, uh, a lot of it looking for a new home. If you've got any questions, make sure you give them a shout or check them out at thehockeyshop.com. And another one of those nice sets was an Erie Otter set. And just a reminder, we've got former Erie Otter Oscar Dance coming up in the feature interview from Sense Arena. There were also a lot of split logo designs, you know, the ones where you got half the logo on one pad, half the other, Yale, Erie, Army, Boston College. How do you feel about those? They're sort of polarizing in the goalie world. Because once you're no longer standing with your legs together, which you almost never do as a goalie, they don't really work, which is probably something we should think about as we work through some custom designs ourselves with a couple <laughs> of companies. Um, yeah, you know what? Like, I like them. I like them. I, I don't I, get all stressed out about that. And maybe it encourages you to stay on your feet and hold your edges longer. There we go. Yeah. I'm looking for the positives here. I, I Honestly, I don't mind it either. Like, I don't think a ton about graphics. Like, I love great looking setups and there's a ton of them in this sale but once you're on the ice like the fact it doesn't stay that way to me is a bit of a non-factor i guess yeah in a perfect world we could come up with something that looks cool with the pads together and and then almost transforms as you drop to the (laughs) ice but i i don't live in a perfect world i don't play perfect goal so the fact that my logo comes apart as i as i drop to the ice is not something that i'm going to lose sleep over me neither Hey, I saw a couple times this week, goaltenders on breakaways, dropping to their knees. They had so much backward momentum. It was freak out time for me, wondering whether these guys were going to slide with the puck right into the net. And it made me think of those slide plates on the Warrior G6. Fortunately, not legal in the NHL, so these guys aren't going to be doing that. But uh, I don't know. While we talk about some of that stuff it makes me makes me think we everybody gets so freaked out about how well things slide but there can be some times it's not so good for you too well i think that you know but we said like even when bauer came up with the new you know the odin technology which slides like a hot damn i'm not sure there's another like it's so stiff like that rock hard inside edge i'm not sure there's anything that slides as well as that material like to me they sort of reset the bar and a lot of goalies talked about having to adjust how much they push. And I think the same would be said with this. Like, And let's not forget, like that Warrior G6 slide plate comes off. It's, it's Velcroed on. You can yeah, take yeah. it off quite easily. Um, the point would be, yes, you're probably going to overslide if you make your regular push. The point would be you don't have to push as hard to get as fast a slide. So you'd be in more control. You're going to have to adjust how you, just like the bounce yeah, step. Totally. You, you totally. would just have to adjust how you play. And if you're ending up in the back of the net on the breakaway, I would say, suggest maybe you started out too far and needed a little too much backwards flow and momentum. Um, there's probably something wrong in your formulation and equation if you're still sliding all the way back into your own goal. Okay, I will not name the two NHL goalies I watched do that this week for fear of uh, upsetting their former math teachers or something like that. Uh, they got that wrong. We got a few things wrong around the All-Star game as we were chatting about that last week too, didn't we? Did we get anything right? I don't think so. I don't think so. We wanted to see Shesterkin slinging the biscuit. We didn't get to see that. That was was really sad. I love the backstory. Bunch of crap. Sorokin really wanted to shoot, so they played rock, paper, scissors for it. And Igor lost the rock, paper, scissors, so he didn't get to shoot. Sorokin shoots the giant 0 for 5. 
Like I got guys in the NHL that that thought Shesterkin is making at least two of those out of five. He is hitting. He's definitely hitting the net more yeah. than two times. But they think he's good enough with the puck that he could have hit that little gap. And and shout out to Stuart Skinner Dear for hitting Skinner. it. Shout out to UC Soros for hitting it. But there were guys that really wanted to see Shesterkin shoot because they would have put money on him hitting it not once but more than once. And that's what like. That's what we want. You know what that's like? It's like having Wayne Gretzky on your bench in the Olympics oh. and leaving him there in the shootout. Just kidding, Mark Crawford. I love you. But yeah, like like honestly, like having Igor Shesterkin, the option to have him shoot and not allowing him to, that would that was painful. I, it was. I love Ilya Sorokin, but dude, take take a chill. You're 0 for 5. How do you like how do you put up a fight over who gets to shoot? Yeah, I love that it was rock, paper, scissors, but I think Shesterkin, we could have had him do the accuracy shooting competition from the other end of the ice. Well, did you see him shooting in the dunk tank? I must admit I didn't. He shot in the dunk tank event, barefoot, with a goalie stick, turned his hand over like a regular player, which surprised me. I actually think he would have been better off if he'd put on a set of goalie gloves and turned the hand over like he normally would. Did not quite get all the surfboards knocked down in order to get to the dunk tank thing, but I think he only missed one before he ran out of time. Like he, like he was up there with the maybe not quite with the shooters, but not far behind. Which is why we want to see him in his natural environment, chucking it. Honestly, so like I had to write a column for NHL.com uh, unmasked this week. I decided to go with who's going to score next in the NHL, and. Is anybody putting anyone on the list ahead of Shesterkin? Like, who do you have outside of Igor? I've never thought of it outside of Igor. Oh, see, we need because because it doesn't Jeopardy just come music. down to the goaltender, right? It comes down to who's going to have enough opportunities as well. So, who do you think got who do you think got named the most, other than Igor? And actually, what he wasn't that far behind Igor in terms of getting name checked the most by his peers in the NHL. He's somebody that's been on the podcast and has talked about scoring goals has done it at other levels. We need the do-do-do-do. Jeopardy music here. Oh, 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 oh. Tristan Jari. Tristan Jari got named. Thank you. By, it was only, he was only one behind Igor. As much as we would think that, and, and Igor is constantly going for it, and that's probably what puts him at the top of the list. Like, what, he had a miss by less than two feet just a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Last year, late in the season, he missed by less than a foot once. He's had one that looked like it was center cut that was caught at the far blue line. Like, he goes for it. I would say every opportunity, but pretty damn close to every opportunity. And as you said, that's what separates it. But right behind him on the naming from, from their peers was Tristan Jari. The difference, and if you remember, we had Jerry on the podcast. This is like four years ago. He had just scored in the American Hockey League that year. He actually put two in out of five attempts, but the first one was called back because his team took a penalty. Um, I don't know if it, well, it was shooting, but there was a delayed penalty. He grabbed the puck, chucked it in the net, and it didn't count. But he basically went two for five. He's got credited with an American Hockey League goal, and a lot of guys talk about, like, did you know he's 22nd or tied for 22nd? Um, despite in in assists, he's got ten assists already. This season? No, no, no. In his career, he's only been yeah. in the show like what three, four. Years. He's got ten assists yeah. already. Like the guys who have ten assists ahead of him on the list have played like triple the amount of games. Like Jari is a legit puck handler. But what's the difference? To your point, 
he's not taking the shot anymore. Casey DeSmith told me that he thought maybe he'd been told to tone it down in terms of those attempts at the empty net. They're not getting opportunities where they're up two goals. I've had a couple goalies tell me that two goals makes them nervous if the other team is pressing. You make a mistake and all of a sudden it's a one goal cushion with all these multiple goal comebacks and the way momentum swings have been so wild in the NHL. I, you know, I had a couple of NHL goalies tell me it's just not worth it. It's not worth the attempt anymore. They don't want to wear the goat horns on that. Shusterkin doesn't care, man. He's chucking at length of the ice every time. And that, to me, is why he's on top of that list. Quick one addition. The only other goalie to get multiple mentions. There's a lot of one-offs. Uh, we had Stuart Skinner mentioned by one guy. Uh, but the only other goalie to get multiple mentions, and it was an informal polling as guys came through town that I was doing, Alex Nedeljkovic. He's another guy that we would have mm-hmm. scored in the East Coast League or ECHL. He scored in the American Hockey League. We know how bad he wants it. Um, but he was, uh, he's not even in the NHL right now. Um, Detroit's got him down in the American Hockey League, but he was the only other guy with Shesterkin, Jari, and Delkovic, the only three that got multiple mentions, uh, three guys who can really throw it. But as you said, it's opportunity, right? It's, it's it mindset. Is. It's opportunity. Talk to a few guys, Jake Allen, who can, who can handle the puck, but he's not asked to do it in Montreal anymore. Like he handles the puck way less in Montreal. It's just the way the system is. Jake was talking about as his career winds down. Like as he, if he senses that it's coming towards the end, he's chucking it every time. He's going for it every time because he, like a lot of these guys, Pecorine, like they, he got his. Oh yeah. I've I've heard that Marc Andre Fleury wants one bad. So, um, a lot of these guys, like that's it's something that's sort of, it's on the career to do list. And as they get closer to the end of their career, I expect them to stop caring about the difference, down one, down two, and just start throwing. Well, shout out to Joel Hofer on that account too. Got his uh, first one-way contract, so good chance we'll be seeing him in the show a fair bit next year. Probably won't get enough opportunities, but he'd be a guy that I'd have on the list as somebody who could do it because he did it in the American League in the playoffs. And you will remember, I said to him, so weren't you glad that you were up by two goals so you could take the chance? And he paused. Nah, I probably would have done it anyway. That's a guy who went for the empty net in the gold medal game for Canada. And if I'm not mistaken, he was only up one in that one too. And he thought yeah. about it. So again, actually I had to use a different word in the story I wrote. I had to put the old brackets in there, but as Jake Allen said, you have to have balls. Apologies to our listeners who don't want to hear <laughs> that, but he's like, you have to have a lot of balls to go for it like that. Joel Hofer has it. And by the way, when I talked about single mentions, Joel Hofer got a mention, even though he's not in the NHL. Wow. He got a mention from somebody else who is in the NHL that had seen him shoot in the American League and said that they think he's got a shot if he gets up here to be the next one to score. And I think I once posted a video of him scoring on my kid with a breakaway, pulling on the Forsberg, too, so he can handle it in tight. He's got some mitts. What else is going on around the league? Logan Thompson. How about Logan Thompson? And how about Vegas's goaltending situation? It didn't look good, did it? No. Like, you hope it's not too much. Like, such a good opportunity for him coming off the All-Star game. It's been a great year. He's such a good story, uh, you know, and also he he has an in-goal bump because he's a past guest here on the Ingle Radio podcast. You just hate to see that. I mean, non-contact. You know, Thatcher Demko is just now on the ice from a non-contact lower body injury that was December 1st. We're at 12 weeks. You know, the one thing I would say is from a depth perspective, uh, Vegas is fine, right? Like it's not like they don't have tenders. experience. They got Loren Brassois coming off the hip surgery. He's been playing in the American Hockey League. I would assume he's next up on that. 
Um, you know, we've been asked who did, you know, who do they chase? Who do they go after? I don't know that they chase anyone when you've got LB sitting there in the American League. And, you know, let's not forget Michael Hutchinson uh, down there as well. So um, you've got two options with pro experience in the American League. Uh, and regardless of that, let's just hope that Logan Thompson isn't out for long, that it isn't as bad as it looked and he's back soon. But I, you know, there's, there's a, a guy that I don't think they have to worry about in terms of, or a franchise that doesn't have to worry about having options. Sensorina sponsors our feature interview with Oscar Dance coming up soon. Oscar Dance, former Vegas Golden Knight. Is there any truth to the rumor that Darren's away right now because he's training on Sensorina just in case he gets the call from Vegas? Could Darren be the solution? Ooh, maybe that's where Darren... I like that. Maybe Darren Millard is the next Vegas Golden Knights goaltender. They're going to pull him off the practice squad. The ultimate e-bug. I'm, I'm in for that. I'm definitely with, in for that. I think with those NHL shooters now in Sense Arena, it's probably some great training that he's doing right now. And speaking of Vegas and Oscar Dansk, he sort of came up in some of our news stuff this week as well because he has a pretty sweet new mascot. Yeah, you know what? Um, two guys, Oscar Dansk and Spencer Knight. Yeah, both I love Spencer's. With awesome tributes, uh, clearly out in the community doing work at, at various hospitals. Um, I believe Oscars was actually Ronald McDonald house in Calgary where he was and doing some drawings with the kids and decided to put it on their mask. So I'm assuming Spencer Knights is a Dave art mask. I didn't see the details on that one. I just saw some images. I'm pretty sure Dave art does his painting. Um, for Oscar Dansk, it was our friend Dave Freed, who's just been killing it lately, by the way, uh, with all of his masks, he's got, he's got another new one coming out for Freddie Anderson as well. Um, so some great stuff there kind of a combination you have to look like he's got cartoon characters like like superhero spider-man iron man but as well interwoven are these drawings that the kids did and i know he said that oscar is taking the mask back to ronald mcdonald house to show them that like hey look like those drawings we did they're on my mask now they're going to be in the game when i'm playing on my mask so So cool uh, shout out to both those guys for for taking that step like i i think that's i'm with you i think that's so so cool that you just you're not just out there spending the time like that's admirable for a starter, but it shows you how engaged they are with these kids that that they're taking it that extra step. I love it. A lot of great stuff going on around the league, but uh, we've teased Oscar Dansk and Sense Arena enough times. I think that it's time for us to hear directly from Oscar. But before we do that, let's just remind everybody about Sense Arena, an incredible virtual reality training tool for goaltenders unlike any other. Darren might be wearing it as we record this right now. You can face NHL shooters. You can face power play situations. So you learn to recognize and read the game, a topic that came up in the interview with Oscar Dansk. You can do some of the neurocognitive drills that are so popular now and available on some other platforms as well, built into Sense Arena. And it's never been easier to get into Sense Arena because now, if you're one of the many people who's into the virtual reality world and have your headset already, you can get on there for free, do a seven-day trial and see if it's for you. They've got a lower tier, lower price tier now if you just want a subset of the drills. And then if you want the full meal deal, including the NHL shooters, the outdoor rink from Lake Tahoe, all the video drills, you can do the full version of Sense Arena. But it is one of the best training tools out there. It makes a difference in your game on the ice, lets you practice your goaltending, whether you've got ice today or not. 
And if you use the code IGM50, we're going to get you a little bit extra off as well. So do encourage everybody to check out Sensorina. Woody, anything else we need to know about Oscar? Because you didn't tell us too much in the beginning. Yeah, I only went on for about you just five went for a little like, outline yeah, of the five interview. minutes. Yeah, pretty much like did the whole thing. So I'm going to I got to leave something in the in the can. Make sure you don't <laughs> miss on this one, folks. There's lots of great stuff. Oscar Dance presented by Sensorina. Really excited to welcome to the Ingold Radio Podcast. First time guest, Oscar Dansk. I was going to introduce you, Swedish goaltender Oscar Dansk. That's the roots playing for the Calgary Flames organization right now. But when you go through your hockey DB, Oscar, you played high school at Shattuck St. Mary's, won top goalie and a silver medal for Sweden at the World Junior Championships. You played overseas. You played over here. Um, what, let's, let's just dial it right back. How did Oscar Dance become a goaltender? I think it's my older brother. So I have two brothers, one older, one younger. And my older brother started playing or doing some like practices, goalie, goalie work. And he played a little bit for his team, I believe. And then I believe that I thought it was cool, you know, with the pads and all that. Um, so I think we've all, all three of us have played goalie at some point because my brother was a right righty. So I remember him being that, but yeah, it's it's along those lines, and then, but I did play player for a long time as well. I did enjoy that part. I thought it was always fun scoring goals and hitting and all that stuff, kind of getting in there. Okay, so you're originally from Stockholm. Um, walk me through what you know. We've heard a lot about the Swedish model of goaltenders. How long before you became a goaltender full time? Like, did you were you encouraged to or allowed to, like you said, play out, play forward, play defense, play other positions? Uh, to a certain age or how did how did that go um i think i played both until i was maybe 10 so i I tried to go for for some time i still enjoyed both positions um but eventually uh, i can use hockey i kind of balanced between my older brother's team and my team uh and played i think player for my brother no player for my my team my age group and then i was a goalie for my brother's team when they needed me um so i did get to experience both positions quite for for a good time but eventually kind of have to decide uh unfortunately i I thought it was really fun to play player as well but uh yeah around 10 there i think it was you know i had to kind of narrow it in and uh i thought i had some some good help along the way to decide that well okay so once you make that decision what's what like what's your access to goalie coaching over there at that time? Uh, you're 28 now, so you know, we're talking about 18 years ago. We've we've heard again a lot about sort of the Swedish model. I I don't know if you would have sort of predated a lot of the emphasis on goalie coaching over there or not. What what was your experience with it coming up at a young age? It started to really kind of change the goaltending game, uh, in my opinion. During that time, they started to prioritize uh, goalie camps in the summers and bringing in as many goalie coaches as you could at the time to, you know, your youth team or my parents did a good job of exposing me to uh, goalie camps of different varieties. And uh, so over there, you know, you have your usual suspects, Thomas Magnuson and Stefan Lawden. They, you know, they're still working with the Hockey Federation there. So uh, 
I think along those lines kind of started. It's called the Swedish Hockey Institute at the time. Yeah. Um, and still, they're still very, very much active, but uh, I think it must have started somewhere around there. And uh, Gold in the Net was a, you know, a shout out I have to give out because I did spend a lot of time, like you said earlier, in uh, in BC and uh, mostly on Vancouver Island with my family. And But that originated from me going to a Golden Net camp in Stockholm. And... Uh, then my mom and I went for a trip and we went up to Campbell River and went to a Golden Neck camp there, uh, I think when I was nine and uh, thought it was fun. So we came back every summer for maybe four or five years. Now it kind of became like a family vacation and my brothers and I did different camps. And uh, and yeah, so that's kind of how it started, the whole goaltending role. Uh, but yeah, like I said, I, I had a lot of good coaches early, really. and at that time where it was just kind of starting, I felt like at least. And a lot of diverse voices there as well. You talked about, you know, multiple coaches on the ice back home in Sweden um, and then coming over here. And and by the way, I got to say between Stockholm and then Vancouver Island, I'm not sure you could pick two more picturesque or beautiful places to spend your time winters and summers. What was like, I mean, you're young at that point, but like just trying to soak it all in because I think as you get older and you've experienced this, different teams, different voices, adjusting to new goalie coaches can be something you have to sort of learn to manage, I would imagine. But back then you're getting all these different voices. Like how did you, how'd you embrace that? I thought it was very beneficial for me because I think I was curious. And I think I was mostly just a sponge trying to soak it all in really. And I guess you, one of the, good things I guess that I learned is you can pick so many things from different goalie coaches and different goalies and ultimately a good quote from Ian Clark is he said you have to be the best goalie coach has to be yourself and um, I think I have to kind of learn that early so you can but it was fun picking out different you know techniques and styles from different people I thought that was always a fun thing um, and it's more so in later years, I think, where, you know, you have all that experience built up that you really have to be a good coach towards yourself, I think, because you have to really kind of know what works for you. And I think you do the more you play. But at the time back then, it was, it was I think there was no negative sense in having, to, you know, a lot of different schools and teaching. So I thought it was just great. Well, I was going to say, it's probably a good lesson for later on, right? Like to sort of learn to to try everything and, and understand, like you said, I've heard that line from Ian Clark as well, who you would have had as a goalie coach while you were with the Blue Jackets. Um, you do have to manage your own game and know what works for you. And learning that at a young age probably had its benefits. Were there any, I mean, I'm asking you to look back a little bit and maybe it's not even look back because you've had experiences in both sides of the Atlantic from a goalie coaching perspective, even as you've moved on into pro but do you see style differences? Then they're probably different now from when they were then in terms of the types of things you were taught over here compared to over there. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think more so back then versus now, I think now it's kind of with all the access to, you know, video that we have nowadays. I mean, you can turn on your phone and go on Instagram or Twitter and look up your goalie, uh, goalie coach anywhere. And, so now I think it's all more so blending together. Then, yeah, I could I could probably tell that there was a 
different school as to North American and Swedish. But I wouldn't say like one is better than the other, really. I think it's more so up to the goalie because there's been a lot of things where I've done a lot of work with Swedish goalie coaches or European goalie coaches. And then, you know, I come over here and I'm like, well, you know, at the time there was a lot of blocking, I guess, in Sweden was, is what I'm trying to say. And then during, you know, my teens and then you come over here and, you know, it's a lot more active, you know, puck playing and uh, active hands. So it's still, you know, whatever works best for you. But I, I noticed that difference at the time. I think now it's kind of all come together in a pretty good way. I mean, there's so many good goalies that use all these techniques. But for me, it's been good, um, you know, getting that both experience because you kind of get, have to remind yourself, well, when I came over here my rookie year after playing junior, I had to notice that I had to try to activate my hands more. So it's a continuous learning process. And I, I wouldn't say I've, I'm, you know, it's, it's a constant reminder of having, you know, I don't think I figured out being my own goalie coach when I was that age. I think I'm still figuring it out every day. I think you're always learning in that sense. Well, and, and in terms of things like, you know, activating your hands, like it doesn't, regardless of whether you're active or passive in your end save selection, all that technical foundation you get provides the footwork and the movement patterns and the ability to move in and out of spots. Like at the end of the day, you're still getting to those spots in an efficient manner in either style. Something like hands is sort of that, like I look at that as sort of the end product, all the foundation that you've learned on all the other elements still applies. Yeah, hundred percent. And you know, it's also always fun to make a sweet glove safe. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> if you have that ability, then absolutely. Throw a little sauce on there at the end. Uh, what do you like? Um, the decision to come over to Shattuck. It is a pretty interesting path from the outside, not knowing the background to to come over to high school over here. You went back to play junior in Sweden and then came over for a couple of years in the OHL. Maybe. Maybe go back to the high school decision and, and what sort of prompted that. You'd obviously spent some time in North America at the camps uh, over over in Parksville, which is, I mean, it's so funny, small, such a small world to find out that that's where you were going to school. That's one of the first goalie schools we worked with here at Ingle Magazine. So um, a lot of tie-ins there. But what ended up taking you to, Sh- to Shattuck St. Mary's? Well, it's funny. It kind of all blends together with how we ended up in British Columbia and you know, Vancouver area from the start because my older brother, we got to know some still to this day, they're good friends of ours, uh, a family, the world houses who live out in uh, Parksville. And my older brother ended up building with them for a year when he was 13. Uh, our parents wanted us to, you know, get some culture experience and learn the language, learn English kind of for real. And so he went over for a year uh to Parksville and went to school there, played hockey and lived the life there. And then after that fact, that spring I came over and lived with him at uh the family there and went to school that spring term. And then the year after that I went home, played uh youth hockey in Stockholm. And then it was sort of, I guess, in my parents' perspective, kind of my turn to you know, try out and go live for myself or, you know, with a family or something. And 
my older brother had kind of start talked a little bit about looking into like Notre Dame out in Saskatchewan, is it right? Yep, yep. But you know that never really ended up working out. But then we had a youth hockey tournament in Stockholm, hosted by my team, and there were some uh, American select teams. One of which uh, Peter Traber played on. Peter, who also went to Shattuck, and his mom started talking to my dad and my parents and my mom. And then they're like, okay, well, we'll check out that place. And we ended up having to send in some, some footage. Um, and then I had to go and uh, do some tests and stuff. And uh, away it went, really. Um, it just felt like an opportunity at the time that you couldn't say no to. And I'm glad I did it. Um, it was a fun experience for me going there for sure. Where were you at as a goaltender at that point? Like, uh, where was your game at? Um, you obviously, like you said, at that point, are you thinking, hey, this is something I can do for a living yet? Or is this just a life experience and hockey's a part of it? And then once you get over to Shattuck, how does your game, you know, again, you, you've been brought up in this system. You've got voices from all over the world already in your game. How does it change or evolve at Shattuck? I think there was more so me maturing as a person, uh, more so than a goalie. Okay. It's a, I mean, it's an interesting time to go, go away. Like you're leaving at your, like right in the middle of your adolescence. And I think there was a lot of maturing as a person, which then I think led to, you know, that obviously leads into what you do out of school. And I think I got a taste of, you know, seeing some of the older guys there work really hard in the gym and being around hockey all the time. It really like kind of, sunk in that part of it and having like a North American coach or a few of them and kind of understanding the North American style around the game really and what it takes. And cause obviously a lot of good players have come through Shattuck that even before I got there and, uh, later it was, you know, well, Nate McKinnon was there and still guys to this day go through there, but I think they knew, knew how to like, to bring that forward to us and see how we, you know, can develop as work hard workers and respecting the game and being a good teammate. And, um, so I think that aspect kind of opened up for me is, you know, the, how hard you have to work to get to where you want to be. We always hear, we always hear that phrase. He's a good pro. It sounds like you learned some of those lessons, um, long before you were a pro in terms of what it takes, like the off ice, the commitment, the dedication, um, I think those are a lot of the, what people mean when they see, say, be a good pro. It sounds like those were some of the lessons you were learning at Chaddock. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was. And, uh, it was fun. I mean, we had access to, to a gym that basically whenever we had time and, uh, we did the bus trips, you know, we did the long bus trips and played really good players that I still ended, you know, bumping into playing against. Um, so we played really good teams and, uh, it was really competitive at an early time, which I think really I mean, benefits you. Yeah. I mean, and having a coach that's very, you know, accountable and he's like, you know, that you have respect for, but you, you know, they work you, you know. And I, I, I thought that was a good, good learning experience because I think coaching styles also differentiate where, you know, whether you're in Sweden, Canada, North America. Um, and other countries. I think that, so having that experience was, was good for me. 
Yeah, did it make it easier? You head back. You head back to Sweden for a couple of years. Play for, and I'm probably going to mispronounce this, but Brynäs. Yeah. Uh, um, on their their U20 team for a couple of years, and then you get drafted by Columbus. Again, going back and forth, just the transition from North America and high school to junior hockey back in Sweden. Um, walk me through that transition. It's, I mean, obviously, it sounds like Shattuck prepared you for that next step. But what was it like style wise? Like you're you're playing a totally different style of game, or or do we we overstate how much of a difference that is between North America and overseas sometimes? Um, I think at the time maybe I felt like it was a bigger change than it. What I'm realizing it is now. I enjoy playing on the smaller rinks more, more so than the bigger rinks. I always have. Just is there a particular reason? It's it's just more action. It's more physical, and you kind of bump into people, and it feels more like hockey to me. I guess there's those there's those player roots coming back, eh? Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I I've always enjoyed the smaller rinks. A lot of stuff happens fast, and you you know you can't really get away with you know standing there and sleeping. You have to be be alert, and you know stuff happens quick out, out of the corners. I enjoy that part, and uh. So I guess, you know, I think at the time it felt more, more of a change, but as later on, you know, you figure out what game works for you. And I don't think your game really has to change whether or not you're on a big or small rink. I think it's more so maybe some patience coming out of the corners, guys, you know, coming to the net, it takes like an extra second, but I don't think your game really has to change that much. More your reads within the game. In terms yeah. of yeah, how things are happening in front of you, and like the one thing I will say, and again, you've been back and forth since. Um, when you talk about patience, when when games are more east west, when there's more pass 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 mentality, um, are there things that when you when you're working on that patience and knowing you can't commit early because there's probably going to be another pass, that does that can that help you coming back too? Because a couple years later, you get drafted. A couple years later, you're back in in the OHL on this side of the pond and eat with Erie. And like you said, smaller rink, probably a faster pace. As much as the style of the game is different, can the what you learned in Europe in terms of needing to be patient be applied over here and have a benefit over here? Definitely. I mean, yeah, I think, I think, you know, any goalie who's playing at their best, I think has good patience. So I think it's a foundation to any good game. And I've always thought of myself of having decent patience you know um i don't know if it stems from that or not but like i said before i I certainly no negative feelings towards playing on different rings i think it's just all a good experience really it's how you use it patience so patience a big part of your game could you teach somebody else how you stay patient also because it's a big question we get it a lot right like we hear we hear it a lot from from at a, at a youth hockey level even like oh like like be patient don't go so early hold your edges longer um you know be patient don't slide beat that on your feet like when we hear patience some of it is tactical but getting that mindset easier said than done was there anything that you've picked up over the years that you could share that maybe a young goalie listening now would be like hey that's that's a that's a different way of thinking about it I, I don't know. I mean, I think I would say patience is within, you know, goaltending is confidence. Um, as in you've done the work and you've let yourself be exposed to getting beat enough times to where you trust yourself that you can do something really. But I mean, that's when you get in the zone too. And 
when you're in the zone, you have patience. So I really just think that it's, you know, the, the work that you do constantly. Right. And, you know, I'm trying to work on some things now that I would say are necessarily, you know, I, I, I'll get frustrated in practice, but, uh, that's good in a way. Cause then I'm trying something that I know is going to work for me, but you're in the middle of a process. So you are, you know, naturally going to get frustrated if you get beat because that's your job. But, you know, like today, you know, I had Mackenzie kind of remind me, you know, we're in the process of working on these things and, you know, you get frustrated, but it's not so much the end goal. It's the process, right? Can you share an example of like, like and Mackenzie being Skapsky, the new uh, development coach with the, with the Calgary Flames and the Calgary Wranglers in the American Hockey League. Is there anything you can share? Like, so a goalie can sort of, I don't know, maybe manifest it a little more, feel what you're going through. I think a simple example for myself is, you know, how long you hold your feet, let's say in like a two-on-one situation. And, you know, he has a pass option. You can also shoot or geek. And I think that's a, that's a good test of holding your feet and, you know, let him solve you rather than you solving him. And, um, you know, I think if you feel like you're not patient enough on your feet, you know, I think you just have to accept getting beat at the start, really. But if you trust in what you do and I, and you believe it's going to be beneficial for you, then, you know, you just keep working on it and you're going to get beat, but eventually you're going to, you know, get over there on that pass. You're going to read that pass and you're going to get over there on your feet. Or he's going to try to make a move, but you just kind of stand him up. And um, it's just one example. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of it, right? Coming out of the corner nowadays. Now guys are so skilled too. So you really have to, you know, be aware of guys are too. And I think having good awareness of where other uh, players are on the ice, I think that helps your patience as well. Because then you're not stressing, kind of guessing. I think when you have good awareness as well, you can can be more confident in your stance and make the good reads. I was just going to say, it's, it all comes to, it sounds like it all comes down to reads as well, right? Like, like knowing where everybody is, being able to sort of connect the patterns of the game and know where, where things are headed is a big part of sort of trusting where you are and where you have to get. Um, is there anything you've done over the years that helps you get better at reads? Um, we've heard a lot of guys talk about, it's just all about playing and obviously experience matters. Um, have you found ways through video of, or, or other, techniques to sort of because it's hard in practice right like in practice we can set up as many goalie drills as we want but it's not going to replicate 10 guys flying around and you have to keep track of all of them and the puck are there ways you have found to help sort of build better reads into your game over the years i'd like to think that i got some of it for playing player for a bit uh when i was younger um and then you know i i've never been the goalie that necessarily makes like consistently like split saves i would say i'm more of the non-flexible goalie nowadays um so i think i've had to rely more on my positioning and my reads and then um kind of seeing how plays develop and uh, being in good spots but that also puts extra emphasis on you having good skating ability and you know getting there in time uh, so it, it all I think I've kind of had to force myself to have good awareness and have good reads. And I enjoy that part of it though. I think it's fun to seeing 
a play develop kind of how you wanted it and then you're making the save i think that's fun a fun part of the game no is there a better feeling than uh the cross ice pass that you know is coming and you beat it on your feet and you're set and square and the guy looks up and all he's got is you yeah exactly that's <laughs> that's, that's it, great is there but i mean we some of that just comes with experience but like have you can you use video to get better at reads because a lot of kids they don't get as many reps in games right like you might practice two three times a week and only get to play one game is there a way to sort of learn and get better at tracking those patterns short of getting to play a ton of games like have you used video in that regard do you think that can help for me i think lately i think something that i've started with the past two or three years is having good pre-scout kind of and especially going into games i think having a good pre-scout and paying attention to um where you know on zone entries where where do their guys go? Do they delay? Do they dump it back in or wait for, do they have a fourth man active? Kind of putting that in your brain before a game, I think helps me and uh, really paying attention to those clips. But I mean, if you're younger and don't really have access to that, I I think just watching hockey, I, I would say. I think if you watch a lot of hockey, you can see a lot of things happening in an NHL game that will also happen, you know, it's a same sport. It's just different levels, but I think watching a lot of hockey will certainly like subconsciously put it in your brain. And then as you go along and do your work, you know, I think all the information kind of just comes in, comes into play, I guess. Right. Like a guy pulling off the wall and cutting into the middle as a left shot is more likely to shoot against the grain, like little, little things like that probably apply it at every level like just just pulled that example off the top of my head i don't even know if that's true i seem to remember a goalie coach telling me that one time right no it's it's all those little things and you can pick up certain things and it's kind of, it's trendy too right i mean like i said when you have access to all these highlight reels right off the bat nowadays it's so easy in your palm of your hand that's it's trends too i mean you see the whole michigan thing that's a trend and then you're gonna you know, guys are going to try to do that, obviously. And, but also, you know, so I think, I think that's a part of it as well. Okay. So have you had to face one yet in game? No, not yet. Okay. We, well, we, uh, I, just, I had to ask, cause you mentioned it and we, I was actually covering the CHL top prospects game here the other day and we had one attempted and the, and the goalie said afterwards, he's like, I knew again, he, again, he did same thing we would do, whether it's a Michigan or not, he did a good job of using the short side window. So as he pulled off his left post, he had eyes on it. He could see he was trying to scoop. So that meant he knew he had to go up high. And all he could think was, I got to stop this. Otherwise, I'm on the highlight reels for the rest of the year. So, um, you know, I mean, again, but again, it's interesting. Like the mindset doesn't change, right? Like the same techniques, much like you said, the different styles of game, you can still apply. Your, you just apply your game differently based on what you're facing, but it's still your game. The same techniques will work on a Michigan in terms of, the key is having early eyes and using your windows properly to recognize what's coming. Yeah, correct. And you said it early eyes. I think, you know, having good eyes will, you know, help you in all your other decision making, which will in turn give you uh, confidence and, uh, you know, patience and awareness. I guess. Okay. Well, so early eyes is something we've talked to you. We've already thrown out a couple of things that we always hear from me and Clark uh, drafted by Columbus. Um, first pick, second round, 2012, coming off that second season at, at uh, Brinus. 
What's your experience like in in the because you get a lot thrown at you when you when you're working with Ian Clark? You're, you're drafted by Columbus. When did you come over for the first time? And what was was it, were they the ones that wanted you to go to Erie? What was that process like? And and a lot of learning would have been thrown at you, I'm guessing, in the early days there. Yeah, no, it was a neat experience for sure. Uh, I mean, to be to be drafted, I think that was super cool. And I mean, you think back on it, you're so young, really, like. But no, I, I I had decided to go to Erie before the NHL draft, I believe, if I remember that right. I always had a passion for the, the CHL and really wanted to go from watching it when I was younger. And, um, then the opportunity came and I, I uh, ended up going. Um, yeah, after the draft, I think I went to development camp. And then after that, uh, you know, in August or so, you you go to Erie and all of a sudden, yeah, you're starting to work towards, you know, being, being a real professional. And, you know, I think I learned a ton during those first, definitely those two years in the area, but also my rookie year and those first two or three years about what it's like to, to play pro and, you know, the competitive part of it. Is it more again, to, you know, kind of going back to Shattuck, is it more about all the other things that you have to manage to be a pro or was it there a, you know, goalie specific element there too, in terms of, adjustments and the evolution of your game because it's i guess games constantly evolving that's just the nature of the position but was it was it more even then than you expected i think it i mean turning pro from junior it's a big jump me, i think it was yeah it was a really big jump more so than i thought because then you know there's a it's not just you're not just competing against the junior guys you're competing about against the whole world right um that was a big jump really big jump i you know, whether you're ready or not, I don't know, but you know, I, you throw yourself in there and, uh, you kind of figure it out along the way, but yeah, my rookie year, I, I learned a lot, uh, about how, I guess the, what they call the business side of it too, getting up, sent down and, uh, called up and, you know, all, all those things, uh, that was a big thing for me too. And all of a sudden you're buying a car and, you know, I lived by myself for a long time, so I knew that part. But then, you know, doing all these things around, uh, that was a big learning experience as well. Well, no, I mean, we've had, you know, I can't, pretty much every goalie we talk to tells us that the biggest jump of their career is is junior hockey to the American League or to pro hockey, um, as opposed to moving up from the AHL to the NHL. Like, that's the biggest jump because, like you said, there's just so much going on there. Um you 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 got a taste with Columbus. You would have had development camps. I'm guessing gone to some main camps. I got to ask you because there's obviously a story out there about Oscar Dansk teaching Sergei Bobrovsky the reverse. Um, we've heard it. I think it's sort of become folklore at this point. I'm guessing you've heard it too over the years. What do, what do you remember about, uh, sort of about that? You know, and, and your early work with Columbus and and with Bob. It was. I mean, it was super cool. And Bob was, you know, just coming into. Yeah, he was having some really good years at that time too. So, uh, yeah, I think I've always really liked Bob. He's a great guy. I've always been really nice to me. Uh, great goalie. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of become a folklore, I guess, that story of it. But I think Bob knew how to do the reverse. I mean, it's Bob. <laughs> I think he knew how to do it before I was able to go on the ice with him and Clarky, but uh nonetheless it was a cool moment for me being a young goalie to get that responsibility of you know or help him or give him because it's 
uh, you know, I think you give that to some to someone in that age and trying to find his way. Uh, I'll always remember it for sure. And I'm, I'm glad uh, Bob and Clark invited me to do that because it's something that stuck around with me for a long time. Was there just little nuances in terms of how you did it, Oscar, in terms of how you'd learned it that they were just trying to to, to help Bob with? Because like you said, like he's like, and nobody, I'm guessing there were some lessons on work ethic there too. Not that you needed them, but like, I'm not sure anybody works as hard as Bob, but just in terms of, was there little things that you were doing differently that he was just trying to figure out at that time or? I don't remember exactly. Um, but, but I mean, that's, that's why he's been one of the best. He's curious. Uh, I think, um, and I think when you're curious, that's that's a great aspect to have. And um, yeah, works extremely hard. Um, so, you know, that part of it isn't surprising to me that if he thought that I had something to give him, then you know, that's that's awesome. But I wouldn't say I taught him that. I, I think he was very good at it beforehand because he's a very talented athlete. But okay, we'll we'll leave it at worked with Bob on his on the reverse. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll we'll dial back the folklore a little bit for you. Try and take some of the, take some of that off because it, it has become somewhat of a legendary story. I will say though, it was a cool experience for me, and I'm really really thankful for it. Okay, so we talk about the business of hockey. You end up getting loaned back to 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 the SHL and staying over there. And another is it Rogla? Yeah. Everybody, say, hey, I got, I'm two for two today. That's not bad. All we, all we need is an orange cold week in here and I'll, uh, but, um, and, and I'll be good. Um, again, you know, the back and forth, the process, experiencing it on both sides, the game's evolving over here. It's becoming more East West. Um, what was, what was that decision like for you going home? Was that thought process like, and, and how was that transition? Well, I mean, Columbus had so many good goalies at the time and I felt like I was kind of the odd man out and, that opportunity opened up and I thought it was great. I mean, uh, I'd never played SHL before, so obviously a new challenge and something to sink my teeth into, but also it was good for my development in the sense that at the time there was less games on schedule. So we had, you know, maybe played Wednesday, Saturday, as most weeks look like in the SHL, which gave more time for practice. So I was super excited for that part. And I'm, I think I approached it in the right sense of, you know, I was, I was, I was motivated from coming from Columbus and I was called up for one day, my rookie year with Columbus and was able to back up against, uh, Montreal when Kerry was playing. Uh, and uh, that kind of pushed me into the next year of, you know, that's where I want to get back to. Cause I, I, there was, it was such a cool feeling of being called up that, you know, I wanted it. It was it was addicting. I wanted to come back and do that again, right? Um, so for me to have those two years there in Sweden was really good in order for me to get all the work in uh, and have less games. But still, I got to play a lot, but also have that time and uh, really nail down on some things. Well, I, I'm going to guess the year before, like especially when you were bouncing back between Springfield and Kalamazoo in, in 2014-15, probably tough to find time to work on your game because the travel... There's a ton of games in both leagues, and I'm not even sure you'd have access to a full-time goalie coach down there. So in Sweden, you would have had more time to work on all those things. That sound like a fair assessment? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, it worked out really nice. I, I had a great time in Rugby. We were at you know a bottom team, but that was also 
good in a way because we got a lot of different situations thrown at us and um we had to work really hard to get our wins um so going through that also was was good well and uh in terms of voices there and focus there in terms of what you were working on you, you said talked about having all this time to sort of work on your game what were some of the focal points for you you know what it was it was everything i i, I really just wanted to use that time properly and uh there was obviously a lot of reverse involved ex, you know exiting from a reverse and all those small little details within the details i think that's what i really kind of honed in on and entries uh, and exits are big yeah exactly and uh so i remember that being a part of it but it was really just taking the opportunity to do all the work that i that i wanted to do i guess Okay, so contract ends with Columbus. You get a chance to go to free agency and you sign with the Vegas Golden Knights. Get your opportunity. Get the call up that moment. And I actually, I got to ask, did the moment mean more even though you didn't get into the game with Columbus? We've heard a lot of guys over the years talk about Kerry, talk about looking at him as a role model. Did it mean more watching Price play? Like, was it more special because it was the Canadians and Price or was it just because it was the NHL? Or do you, do you think you remember it more as a goalie because... I mean, both the franchise and the guy in the net are sort of special when it comes to our position. Yeah, no, it was definitely cool seeing it firsthand, price play, but it was more so the overall experience of a day and, you know, being an NHLer for a day. And, you know, it's something you truly dream of, every, you know, ever since you were in your kid, you know, your, your room at your parents' house and you have all the, posters of everybody and it's just kind of it's something so special and i i didn't know how special it was until i got to feel it and that was also a call up that i'm extremely you know grateful for because i i i will never forget the feeling of that day um and how it really gave me a taste for what i really wanted Okay, so I want to get back to you get your next taste with with Vegas but before yeah. i got i got to ask who the posters were on the wall that's a good question. <laughs> um, Put you on the spot. Now, did you cheer? Like, was it? Were you sit? Like, you're, you're growing up in Sweden, in Stockholm. Like, was it SHL guys, or by that point, was there enough NHL exposure that it was NHL guys? Uh, from the start, it was mostly SHL. I was a Drew Garden fan when I was uh, younger. Um, but then, more and more, I think, uh, you know, didn't watch a lot of NHL games, but you know, the magazines and stuff had all the posters. So you, you'd get by the magazine and look through them. And, um, so I don't know who it was, maybe Patrick Waugh and Marty Berdor. I think I had Forrest, you know, Peter Forsberg, obviously I loved Matt Sandin. I thought he was a really cool player to watch. So probably those four guys, those are the guys that pop out. Yeah. Okay. And so now let's, let's fast forward to 20, 2017, 18, you get another taste. And this time you get into a game, first first NHL action, no pressure. Malcolm Subban goes down and you end up in overtime in your first NHL game with the Vegas Golden Knights. You win your NHL debut. You follow that up with your first start. You win that. And your next one, you get the first shutout in Vegas Golden Knights franchise history. What do you remember? What do you remember, first of all, about that first game? Like, was it a blessing to go in as much as no one would ever wish an injury? Was it a blessing to not have to think about it as opposed to the apprehension or any anxiety of a first start? You just go in there cold or how do you look back at that memory? 
Um, I, I think it benefited me in the long run because you don't really don't have time to think at all. Yeah. I just remember, remember Turk telling me to get in the net. So I got in the net. Um, but no, I mean, doing that game before Subi went down, I, I think I was just sitting there, you know, trying not to get in the way of some of the guys trying to get on and off the bench. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely helped me, uh, I, I believe, and kind of gave me some good game time leading into the next game. Um, but yeah, it was truly, that was truly something magical, and I'll always remember that. What do you remember about this? Like, like it went first appearance, first win, first start, first win, and then first shutout, not just for you, but in franchise history. I mean, that was a year where, where Vegas obviously went through a lot of goaltenders and it wasn't easy on anyone. Uh, the goalie coach especially had a lot of different guys to work with. Um, but you guys, everybody that came in contributed. Like despite the injuries as they piled up, everybody came in as a goaltender and did a good job for the organization. What, like, what's the memory of, of that period? I know it ended with an injury, not to rehash that, but those, those couple of weeks before you got hurt, um, what, what are the lasting memories? it's i mean it's just euphoria really um you know you finally get to play and you get trusted with game time i think you know you gain your coach's trust for him to play you and keep playing you and i i'm you know gonna be forever be happy about those those games um you know they're very special to me and also to prove to myself more so than anything else that i could do it which was, you know, that was really a fulfilling feeling in that sense. But no, it was just a, a lot of fun, really. So much fun. And the locker room and, uh, you know, the staff and everybody around really, you know, helped me out too. And, uh, and all the players were really supportive. Um, and which was a lot of, you know, is a big key to our success that year is, everybody wanted to contribute and prove what they could do. And it was a, you know, it was a hungry, you know, bunch of guys that just got released. So, um, just, uh, really good memories. I mean, good times, really. Um, it was a cool experience being around all that and being trusted with that game time. That's for sure. And more new voices. Dave Pryor, um, you know, who we know going back to his Washington Capitals days, I, again, a different, a different style, um, different, emphasis points i would suggest is probably the best way of putting it with dave all about you know guys who could show patience and and not retreat and hold edges and 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 sort of not give up ice in the face of a rush so i know those were some of the things he really liked um a couple of different voices uh, around him and below him at different levels over the years there again lessons from an early age paying off for you in terms of learning to work with different people take away you know, take away new things, but know what needs to stay in your game? Or was that a, was that a tough process at all in that point? Not really. I, at the time, you know, when I got to Vegas, I thought it would be a bigger adjustment than it was. Um, but because it certainly it was for me coming from Sweden, it was certainly two, not I'm not going to say two different schools, but uh, two different perspectives on how to play. And because there's also a lot of similarities, but, you know, I got to work with Dave and he wanted me to be more aggressive and, you know, really front the shooter. And that's not something that I had going into, going into Vegas. It was more so, 
um, you know, being in good spots and making sure you're um, available to move on to the next rebound if you're going to have a rebound. And but I thought it was great for me actually because I had really had to develop, you know, some more skating and uh, once again reads and active hands. You know, I, I had to be more. I like to call it like I don't want to say. You know, when I when I look at Flower, I see. I see a goalie, you know, that's a goalie. He makes goaltending saves, right? I yep. think it's pure goaltending at its finest. And so that's kind of, I got to, I had to kind of put that into my game too. And uh, I thought it was great for me to do that because, you know, now I also have that with me and I can bring that forth sometimes if I feel like I, if I want to, because I know I've done it before and uh, it's fun too. I, I thought it was a fun learning experience. Um, that difference, that difference in style, like, um, I don't know if I can, f- I'm trying to find the right words to describe it myself, but like, there's still a foundation there, right? Like there's still a technical foundation, but maybe less rigid with flower, a little more dynamic. Is that, am I finding the right words? I mean, I think it's when you pull it down to it, it's just stop the puck. Right. And when it comes down to it, I mean, that's ultimately, you know, if, if you stop the puck, nobody's going to care how you play it, really. Um, there's a lot of different ways to do it, but um, I but thought not, that was really... As you say, not right. everyone's comfortable with, with the butter stack, right? Like the, the sliding into the into the stack pads and the windmill on top of it, like we see Flower do. Not, every, not everybody's comfortable with those types of save selections. No, but I, you know, I, I think he is because he's, you know, I competes so hard in practice um that you're forced you know he makes those saves in practice too and you know it's all stems from him competing so hard and uh i think that side of it is a little bit lost it's a lost art in a way um so i I love watching him play for that because to me that's just pure goaltending yeah um so i you know, I think that's a, it's getting lost and I, I, you know, I don't want him to ever stop playing because he's like the guy for that. Right. Um, but you, you know, there's times in games where you have to make those saves and, um, I think it stems from just competing well in practice. All the goalies that I play with that are great competitors, they, they end up making those saves in practice too, or in games too. It just kind of one bleeds into the other, I guess. Like if you're not if you're not competing at practice, and you're if everything is just a to b and technically perfect, and you never have to go outside the box, are you going to be ready when you need to go outside the box in a game and things aren't as perfect? Well, I, my dad always told me in practices to take some time to make those crazy saves too, and not just you know rule you know go by the book all the time because there are times where you are going to have to use it and um it's fun too right so why not do it a little bit here and there in, in practice obviously you have your focus of what you want to improve but i think throwing some sweet saves in there i think it's only going to benefit you or at least try to are there times where like do you think in a time where you mentioned pre-scouts like it's the same you can flip the script and shooters are getting more pre-scout information than they've ever gotten before on goalies and so as much as you're going to school on rush tendencies and entries and how guys come into the zone they're looking at how goalies play certain situations. No, not not every shooter's dialing in that deep, but some of them are. Is there a benefit to Flowers' unpredictability? Like, 
the ability to go outside the box and do things differently, the willingness to do it and, and, and cultivating that in practice, can it also have the added effect of showing a shooter a different look in some situations where maybe things aren't as predictable and what they saw on tape isn't going to be the same every time they come down the wing? Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I think more so is, you know, when players, you know, there's a rebound or something and they have a hole up in that and they think they're going to score and all of a sudden you stick out a toe or you stick out blade, you know, or the top of your stick, whatever it is. Uh, I think that's, I think that's the part of it that, you know, makes you unpredictable or not unpredictable, but I guess annoying to play against, right? Because all those open nets, like you kind of take life out of guys when you make those saves. And uh, so I think psychologically it works a great benefit. Yeah, we've had goalies in the past tell us that like they'll, we'll see a highlight real save in a game. And sometimes they don't like to look at high re- light real saves, right? Because it usually means something's gone wrong. I've had a lot of goalies say that, but the you know a couple of guys over the years have talked about, yeah, hey, like I make that save in practice because I never I've learned to compete in practice, and so when I when that happens in a game, it's it's a little more instinctual. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's I mean, that's the way I I view it at least. Well, that's a great lesson. Uh, last last step, step here decision. You go back to KHL last year, and then you come back over to North America this year. We've had guys tell us different things about playing in the K. It's pass, 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 dust it off, pass again, and maybe one more time. A lot of patience required in that game. NHL and the AHL is becoming increasingly east-west, a lot more movement east. Like, did you find stuff there translated here, or was it a totally different game over there? Um, yeah, from the start, it was it was kind of hard to get into that style, I guess. But I didn't... I don't remember it me feeling like it was a huge difference when I did eventually kind of feel comfortable with the game there because I still felt like it was pretty physical and it was all like kind of dependent on the team. Some teams played really, you know, straight to the net. So there is like diversity. It's not just one way of playing, but um, it was, uh, once again, it was a great experience. I'm really glad I I did get that season in there because once again, it's it's not just the hockey, it's all the life outside of hockey and um, that, you know, you learn a lot about yourself as a person, which hockey and hockey during the season is so incorporated to your life that it will help you when you get to the rink. And so I, I did feel like I learned a lot of lessons being there and um, it was a good league. I mean, a lot of, a lot of really good players. Um, you know, a lot of games, uh, travel. And so you get all of that. And, um, so once again, I'm thankful I, I, I had that experience. Okay. So you come back over here and Hey, what do you know? More new voices. Mm-hmm. Um, Jason LaBarba with, uh, w- with the Calgary flames, uh, Jordan Sigalette, uh, both guys that we know really well. And then also Mackenzie Skapsky, who's new to the role, new to the position. Um, you could probably argue in a lot of ways has a whole lot less pro experience than you do, Oscar. What's that relationship been like to sort of work with him and build that with him? And, um, you know, if I know Mackenzie, there's probably a lot of back and forth there. It's it's probably not so much a dictatorship as it is a partnership. No, I think it's a really good balance. I think he's done a great job uh, stepping into this role. You know, we're both the same age group. And um, obviously, I was very 
curious about it at the start, but it, he's he's done a fantastic job, and I'm really proud of what he's done and how he's gotten into being a professional coach. And I'm sure for him, it was going to be interesting in coaching me, who you know we played against each other not too long ago, and but I think he's handled it really really well, and I think we have a good dialogue that we're constantly improving every day and. But he's he's done a great job with me. I I know Wolfie really appreciates him. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm it's really it's been cool to see him kind of growing to that too. And he's a very smart coach. Uh, but there is dialogue, so it's, it's it's fun to. He's a fun coach to have for sure. Well, there's dialogue, and then there's goalie meals. I've I've heard about this. Um, we won't get into the 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 recipes chosen by each of you, but. Um, how's Wolfie on the cooking side of things? Like, cause he's a young pro, like, like, are, do you find yourself in a mentorship role there as much off the ice as, as on the ice? Cause I, like, you've been through this, right? Like he's a young guy and he's learning how to do all of this on his own. What's that relationship been like, uh, for, and what's it been like playing with him and watching him on the ice? Cause he's, um, he's a special talent. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's been great. It's been so much fun getting to know him. Um, he's a super mature guy for his age really um and he's a he is a really professional in what he does you know has his routine sticks to him works extremely hard in practice uh speaking of that and competes and you know it 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 really shows in the way he is on and off the ice um i think it's been super fun and i think he's a special talent you know i he always does something that will surprise me and you know, probably everybody that watches the games that he plays because I just think he, the way he moves and the way he sees the the ice and his athleticism and speed and strength, you know, he's a very, he's a guy in great shape too. So, you know, he, he takes pride in that and uh, he's a confident guy, you know, for, for that age, which, you know, I, I've, I see some things that he has in his age that I'm like, damn, that's so cool because I felt like at the time, maybe I could have used some of that, but, um, yeah, it's been super cool. Uh, I think he's a great goalie, great guy. And, uh, it's been really fun getting to know him and I mean, whatever I can offer him, I hope he takes something out of it, but I'm just trying to be a good support system for him. And well, maybe just a little more diversity on the menu for goalie meal night. Yeah. Yeah. I, I put up a good spread. (laughs) All right, Oscar. Hey, I've taken way more time than I than I promised I would, which is a bad habit of mine. Um, but I can't thank you enough. Uh, I just wanted to, there were so many different things I wanted to touch base on. Such a fan, like fascinating and diverse background in terms of your trips back and forth across and all the different places you've learned from. And I think there's some lessons there that a lot of goalies uh, will take away and and enjoy and and probably be better goalies for having uh, heard you share those stories. So thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, with our audience today. I can't thank you enough. No problem. Thanks for having me. Woody, I absolutely love that one. Kind of kills me to think that Oscar was training literally just up the road in the rink that my son now plays in at the goalie camp that my son used to go to. I feel like we missed him just by a year or two, but would have been really cool. Um, yet another shout out to Golden Annette and Perry Alderbroom, who were so big in the beginning of InGoal for us. And thanks to him. I love the insight, especially the one about learning to read the game. Just go out and watch hockey. 
And I know it seems like a no brainer, but how many kids these days don't actually watch much hockey? I think you'd be really surprised, Woody. More and more minor hockey kids I see, hey, they love to flip through TikTok and Instagram and see all those highlights that get posted. But not a lot of kids sit down and watch a game. And unless you watch that whole game, you can't see those tendencies as you guys were talking about guys coming off the wall, the delay just inside the blue line and who's coming to pick it up. You got to watch hockey. Yeah, it's interesting because some of the best that we've talked to over the years watch a lot of other hockey. Right. Like, mm. like, like what you mentioned, Doobie with the painted mask, like Doobie watches everything. Like he watches a ton of hockey, which is why he's going to be great. If that's the way he chooses to go long-term in an analyst role, like Doobie watches a lot of hockey and he did when he was playing and not everyone's like this. You're right. Some of the younger guys, but some of the older guys that have been around and survived a long time in the league, they watch a lot of other hockey. I mean, I wasn't talking about the guys who made it. I was talking about kids in minor hockey. We're talking. Well, no, but 12, like 13, that- 14. Think about that Tredemko and the story he told us, right? Like mm-hmm. way back to when he first came up. Like not only did he watch hockey when he was in high school and in college, watched a lot of NHL, but he kept a notebook of tendencies and things that guys did in certain situations. Again, situational awareness and situational reactions, whether they was on their posts or what depth they took, depending on what was happening. And he made notes and some things he went out and tried. And so um, being a student of the game is going to help you read the game because you've watched the game and picked up on those tendencies. It's the old story about Gretzky watching the game with a, his dad making him have a pencil and sort of trace where the puck went around the ice uh, on a piece of paper as he's watching the game. Like Mitch Korn talks about patterns. What's the best way to pick out patterns is to watch the game and sort of, even if it's subconsciously, um, you're going to get better by watching for those tendencies and being able to recognize them more instantly and innately when you get on the ice. Yeah, I would not even, even if it's subconsciously, I think it pretty much has to be. I mean, there can be a conscious element to analyzing what you're seeing, but I think it pretty much has to be. In terms of pattern recognition, I know in a number of sports now, Formula One, one that we like to watch, uh, you can go online and choose the camera angle. And I know Bell has some options in Canada with, with Sportsnet for changing angles. Wouldn't it be great if as goaltenders, we could choose that behind the net angle all the time so that we're really learning to recognize those patterns? You mentioned uh, Thatcher Demko, Woody. And over at Ingle this week, you've got a fantastic pro read with him. Um, one, one of my very favorites. Even though it's a fairly straightforward situation, I think everybody getting the opportunity to see that difference between a tall stance and a save stance and the transition between them and when and why he's doing it. This is a a topic that's coming up more and more in the goaltending world these days, the multiple stance. And I think it's a great one for people to go and check out. Yeah, and we're not saying that how he does is the way everyone should do it. I think there are some people... You know, there's been times in Thatcher's career where I've seen him get caught in a tall stance with a quick release off the rush as a guy Mm -hmm. comes over the blue line. Uh, He talked about snapping into that save stance. I think there are times where some goalies can be so deliberate in that last sort of lowering into a save stance that they almost tense up and shooters are actually looking for it. They're watching for that. Okay, as soon as he widens out, now I'm going to move the puck because he's immobilized himself. So um, there's so much that goes into it. But just having the chance to, and that's what Pro Reads is all about, to sort of have an NHL goaltender of that caliber break down video and explain, you know, a save that becomes somewhat routine for him 
but a save situation that I don't think, and that's why I kept it in the breakdown, like, you know, a one-on-one chance where a guy gets sort of your defenseman moving one way and he cuts back the other and he's got time and space and the puck on his forehand and he's looking and how do you handle that? How do you manage your stance? How do you, you know, get into save execution without committing yourself completely? It's, uh, it, it was a fun one and you, everybody can check it out at ingolmag.com. I think that situation is a lot tougher than people think, Woody. And not just that particular one, but just that slow movement, not slow, but that gradual movement across the zone and changing the angle on a goaltender. Saw somebody get caught on that again last night at the National Hockey League level. And it's something that you see a lot of kids, uh, you know, working a flow drill, coming in uh, on the rush across the blue line and that angle is changing constantly because the players just drive straight down the zone and you see a lot of young goaltenders get into their stance and then get locked there and not be able to adjust to it well and that's what makes it a good one for thatcher because he is a guy and under ian clark we've talked a lot about the three stance system that they use here and multiple stance system it's actually probably more dynamic when you bring in post play than just three but he, again hearing him talk about tall or narrow however you want to describe it and watching him adjust into sort of a middle stance and then into save execution, if if that puck comes over the blue line and it's Jared McCann who can rip it um, on his forehand, cutting across, yeah, and we think top of the circles, is that a dangerous shot? I'm telling you, when it's Jared McCann on his forehand, it sure as hell can be. Um, but it's probably more dangerous if you lock in low and wide prematurely and now you can't move with him. And so, again, just... Cool to hear Demko walk through it. Uh, we put a link in there to an old Joey Decord breakdown um, because Joey talked about letting in that situation. And, it, and Joey's situation was more of a push shot, sort of the hands push out before the release, whereas McCann sort of keeps it in a shooting position the whole time. But again, not everybody's the same. Joey likes to let the guy get ahead of him a little bit, knowing that that's where his momentum takes. So if he's going to shift into a shot, he's going to shift in that direction. So he doesn't mind getting ahead because he expects that shot to come against the grain. Um, Thatcher wants to play it more straight up, right? So again, this is why we do pro rate. Not because each and every one tells you what you're supposed to do, but to show you how different goalies at the highest level of the game handle similar situations. Joey's got a very different approach than Thatcher. They both worked. And so hearing the thought process, then when you get on on the ice, you know, you can go either way. You can play with them. Like you said, in practice, play with them. Which one works for you? Do you want to let that guy get ahead and sort of push him downhill, let him get ahead of you a little bit, knowing that if he shoots to the side he's moving, you're also moving in that direction and it's an easier shift, not wanting to give up sort of that against the grain shot. Again, multiple ways to play this. We want to give you the opportunity to hear from some of the best in the world of how they handle it so you can consider those options for your own game. If you want to check out the latest pro read, head over to ingoldmag.com. If you are not a member yet, it's less than $50 Canadian for an entire year. A new pro read every single week. There are coming up on 150 of them now. I don't know. It's, it's a ridiculous number. You can watch pro reads all day long. And parents, if you think your kids wouldn't love to sit down and read in Goal Magazine online, just get them to watch the video. Click on the button, go straight to the video, get them to watch it. I guarantee this one from Thatcher Demko will give them something to think about in practice this week. Well, and we've had NHL goal. How many, how many NHL goalies have told us, I wish there was something like this when I was a kid. We all do video breakdowns. We have coaches that do video breakdowns with their kids, right? They'll watch NHL tape. 
the hell could be better than watching NHL tape with the NHL goalie and having him explain his thought process? This is exactly what I was thinking. Yes. Why the <laughs> damn thing, folks? I'm getting a little ornery. And with that, and before Woody gets too ornery, we'll say our thanks to the Hockey Shop Source for Sports Langley and HockeyShop.com, as well as to Sensorina VR Training for Goalies. And of course, our thanks to all of you, wherever you're listening. Thank you for allowing us to join you uh, on this uh, amazing journey through the world of goaltending. On behalf of Darren Millard, Kevin Woodley, I'm David Hutchison. We'll see you next week on the In Goal Radio podcast. Until then, we hope you all enjoy another great week in goal.